Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Unholy. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Day. There's nothing like doing nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight so you can go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing for less. Expedia. Made to travel. Here we go. This is Penn Sunday School And to our listening ears All Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm Matt Donnelly. We are, of course, broadcasting from Show Creator Studio South here in the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas. With the pardon Penn's voice, his little horse, he had World Cup fever, just screaming about the results of today. Goal! Argentina won. <laughs> yeah, oh! <laughs> God damn you. I, I already lost a dollar. Here he is, preaching the love. Benjolet. And they won against France. How's that? Yeah, wow. I was looking at the New York Times this morning yeah. and I said, Ah, oh, Jesus, I'm so sick of it. It said, Argentina beats France. And I went, Maybe this fucker's shit's over. <laughs> no, it is. That part's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And Argentina beat France. Yes, they did. And some guy got a goal. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, uh, multiple guys got goals. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, it was a big uh, to That's do. what you're trying to do, right? Yeah, that's the idea. And then the other ones are trying to stop them. That's true. Whereas, if the teams work together, that's my <laughs> point, they could just keep kicking that thing in. You could probably, in the time it took, you could probably have like 10,000 goals. Oh, definitely. Especially because every time there's a goal, you end up adding extra time to the match. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a thing that drives Americans crazy that Europeans are used to. But only one person knows how long the game is going to be. Do you know about this? No. Who's that? The ref. Hmm? The ref 
keeps uh, a stop and start thing on his side, and it's his up to him how he awards that time. And then uh, they run the clock continuously for everyone watching on television and in the stadium. Uh-huh. And then it hits what should be the end of the thing, and then we all go, hmm. And the ref goes like, I do. And then he kind of gives a gesture as to how many minutes it's going to be more, and he decides exactly when the game is going to end. Huh. And even though we have technology. I, 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 there are things less interesting than that. <laughs> no, there's a lot of things less interesting than that. None that I've encountered today. <laughs> I woke up early. It's all fucking arbitrary. Oh, for sure. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah. Well, I woke up, my, my son's really into soccer now. My oldest. Oh, Jesus. So we woke up you early. You were failing as a father. <laughs> oh man, I am. My son yeah. into nothing. <laughs> I know. He's, you don't have to drive him to anything. No, he's a Dadaist. I am just clocked in as a chauffeur. Now I'm officially a, a suburban soccer dad. Mm-hmm. Stereotype to the T. Complete with uh, self-loathing. Huh? And embarrassment. Um, but uh, we woke up early to watch the game. And my son. Your son chose to wake up early on a Sunday? Yes. To watch a sporting event on TV? Yeah. Yeah. I flabbergasted. (laughs) Well, then he was like really uh, into it and therefore like upset at the moment he thought Argentina might lose. He decided the night before, because he he likes players on both teams, but he decided the night before that he was going to root for Argentina and then was absolutely just uh, almost crying when France tied the game twice. But then Argentina won. But then Argentina won. So we had all that emotion and got to feel that. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Felt that emotion. But I was remembering. You know what I felt when Argentina won? <laughs> <laughs> I was remembering that I would grow up, uh, you, you never were a believer, right? Uh, in in God. God. Oh, yeah. I was a believer until I was about 16, 15, okay. 16 years. Did you pray for arbitrary things or dumb things? No. Okay. I was having flashbacks, and this is where I was like, oh, I thank God I am raising my kids atheists. Uh-huh. I remembered like praying to God my wholeheartedly, like for the Bengals to come back and beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> as hard as I would pray for my own mother to come back or like hunger to be uh, <laughs> eliminated, you know what I mean? I was praying for like, please let Icky Woods score another touchdown. <laughs> like, off, like leaving my family to go into another room to authentically pray to God that a guy would score a touchdown. Wow. And I was like, at least my son's not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you're just going, just, woohoo! At least he's just squirming on the couch. don't some people hold uh, talismans with them? Oh. Like, I know someone that was holding a towel when some football, a terrible towel. Oh, oh uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. uh, they wave towels. They wave yellow but towels. someone at home was holding a towel. Oh, people often have all kinds of weird good luck charms and rituals and stuff that they believe impacts the- No, you stupid motherfucker. <laughs> you can't play fucking sports yeah. and your mother is a whore. Yeah. Now, when two teams are playing <laughs> that speak different languages, mm-hmm. presumably uh, Spanish yeah. and French, yes, and they want to say- your mother is a whore, you stupid motherfucker. Yeah. You suck, you suck, you suck. Miss the ball, miss the ball. You're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Do they do it in their language or in the other person's language? That is a great question. Thank you. I, I've never thought about it. Now, uh, I'll tell you, there's one example that happened in, in with Argentina. But don't they do that all the time, Trash Talk? Yes. Because I knew that um, Goudot, 
mm-hmm. was in hockey when he played hockey, whatever it was, UCLA or something. Yeah. When he played hockey there, they would send him out to get the other team members mad enough that they would hit him and get penalties. <laughs> that was Godot's job. A job for which I am even better suited than Godot. <laughs> the one job in sports I'd be wicked good at. <laughs> the one place where like sports and dunk tank clown crossover yes, beautifully. Yes. <laughs> I was a good dunk tank clown. I bet you were an amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight I, uh, also right to the end because your height, I bet you could hop right back up. Yeah, right back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bozo's high and dry. High and dry. I'm high and dry. <laughs> hey there, Jersey boy. Springsteen sucks. Uh, oh, gotta get him. Give me three balls. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Messi, the big, the big player who finally won his World Cup that we are all crying Messi for. is his name? Lionel Messi. Is he Messi. one of the dwarfs? He is. He's Messi dwarf. <laughs> there's there's uh, a party. <laughs> um, you and I both really reached for dwarf names and didn't have it. Um, Doc. There we go. We, Happy. Yes. Sleepy. Yes. Sneezy. Oh, you're on fire. Messy. <laughs> messy. Messy. Bi curious. <laughs> uh he talked shit to another team in the in the uh in the game before. Not it's talk shit's a strong one. He basically said, like, what are you looking at, buddy? But he said it in English. Uh, so I guess English is how you talk to every other team. Because everyone knows a little bit of English. Hey, buddy, fuck all y'all. And I guess our language is suited for it. Too. Our language is suited for it. I bet, I bet Argentinian Spanish sounds beautiful if you're like, hey, what are you looking at, buddy? I bet you're like, oh, apparently I'm just listening to a sunrise, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the nice thing is, if you do insult a Frenchman in French, yeah. he'll pretend to not understand you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But is there any... Um, is there any governing board that says you can't yell your mother's a whore at the guys in the other team? Is there some sportsman-like conduct or something? I'm not sure because it, it seems like the refs all have their own set of rules for what they can and can't punish people for. That's all I've learned. I've learned a few things watching this World Cup. I watched a lot of the World Cup. For this time. Palabolus, you know the yeah. dance guys? Yes. They were getting up at seven to watch the World Cup this morning. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. These are Americans. Here's what I've learned is that uh, is that if a goal is almost scored, the hands must rise against above the shoulders. That's a must. This is what I'm learning. And if it was a very close goal that you should have made, the hands go over the face. Uh huh. But if you kicked a crazy kick, but it oh, but it almost went in anyway, then the hands go to the back of the head. So, however, the the proximity of which you should have scored depends on where you place your hands on your head. <laughs> it goes behind the head. If you're, if you like, it's a crazy shot, but oh my gosh, it almost went in. I should, I should hold the back of my head. <laughs> now, now, um, they also, uh, overreact to injuries. Is that right? Oh my gosh. It drives me bananas. <laughs> and then my son's just like, that's not a foul. That is a foul. I was like, they, they're just like you watch cause they play in slow motion. So you watch them fake it in slow motion, which is even crazier. Uh-huh. It's like, you think that would like drum embarrassment into their lives, but it doesn't, you have to oversell any contact with the hopes that the ref will award you the ball. Mm-hmm. And so everyone just has, and then they, they, they roll around. They somehow like a brush off their hip will make them both hurt their eye and their knee. Mm-hmm. Both will get hurt at the same time. They'll cover the eyes. They'll hold the knee. They'll writhe in pain. They'll look to the bench with it. Should we get someone in for him? And then the guy goes, ah, I think I'll be okay. And I'm definitely a okay. I am immediately. Okay. The moment I know I haven't gotten the call, I am completely recovered and fine. 
One guy today got a, got a car, yellow card, a disciplinary card, because he's faked his injury for too long. The ref was like, no, that was too long. <laughs> you, slowed, <laughs> you slowed the game down for that bullshit. I'll let you roll around and cry, but only for so long. But, but uh, uh, otherwise, you have to come off the field. And if you get up and say, I'm okay, then you've delayed the game and you're unsportsmanlike and we give you a card. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So the whole macho thing goes away during soccer. Very quickly. Yeah, the whole macho thing is there for like the first 20 minutes. And then then it becomes uh, award season for the best, the best writhing in pain person. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's enough of soccer. <laughs> I'm just afraid we're going to talk soccer. Yeah, no, I get it. I've brought up everything I thought that wouldn't be remotely interesting to you. <laughs> and I was over. So we're moving on. <laughs> back of the head. Yeah, back yeah. of the head. Speaking of sports. <laughs> Here we go. The World Juggling Federation is in town. Oh. I got to tell you, there's this guy from Argentina. No, Chile. 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 Who juggles. You know, this is more in other countries than it is over here. Yeah. But- uh, when your car is stopped at a light, mm-hmm. guys will sometimes run out and juggle for you. What? Yeah. Where? Where jugglers is in South American countries and other places. So like I said, like cleaning my windshield or just holding up a cardboard sign? It's it's like that, except they give that service and then people give them money for juggling. I would love if we had jugglers at red lights. Yeah. yeah. I love that much more than the weird signs. Yeah. Well, one of these jugglers, uh, Alejandro maybe? I forget his name. Um, he's been flown up here to to compete Wednesday night. Because you would think when when I tell you there's jugglers at a stoplight, you probably one of the words that comes to mind, especially if you were British, would be sad. <laughs> right? Right. You would think there's a guy juggling about as well as Penn, three ball cascade, kind of disenchanted, disillusioned, sad, and broken. Yeah. This guy may be the best juggler in the world. And this is where he juggles. Juggles on the streets. Doing seven ball back crosses. Shut up. Impossible. At a light? Yeah. <laughs> Impossible shit. So you, you're you on your way to work and you see, argu- not arguably, you know, he's in the top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. Elite. Yeah. You're seeing elite, elite. level. And he's there in like, um, not dressed. He's there in like dress pants. And like a button-up shirt. But he doesn't dress down either. No. He doesn't look, he's not trying to be a nope. homeless juggler. Just like he's going to work, because he is. <laughs> and Jason told me. Yeah. This, this guy's an incredible juggler. We're flying him in from Chile. Yeah. To compete. And uh, turns out he said, ah, I'll pay my own airfare. So he's doing okay at the stop signs. Um, I just saw a video of him. That Jason sent me yeah. five minute video, because uh, Jason's really worried about where they're going to have the competition, what the temperature is, and like how high the ceilings are. Oh yeah, and he goes, "We can always just put this guy on, you know, two fifteen. <laughs> He'll be absolutely <laughs> the Decatur fine. exit. Let's see how he does. <laughs> yeah, Which, where was the what's the longest light? Rainbow probably. Yeah, though he could do his competition there. <laughs> um. And I'm going to go, just in case, if you happen to be yeah. in Las Vegas, Nevada, on Wednesday, what date is that? The 21st. 20, uh, 21st. Wednesday, the 21st. Do you know this place called uh, Notoriety? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Notoriety. Downtown. Neonopolis. Yes. At Neonopolis, right above the Denny's. It's right where Fremont Street Experience starts. Right. It's right there. Big, big, big building. You can go in there. I'm going to be there. Yeah. I was there last year, mm-hmm. and there was an audience of probably two dozen people. <laughs> There's this other guy, uh, Spencer, I think, mm-hmm. who works at Chipotle. Chipotle? Chipotle. Chipotle in uh, like Arizona or something. Yeah. And he was so good, he made me cry. And also his attitude. I talked about this last year. Yeah. His attitude was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. He'd walk out, looking at the guy that was on before him competing. Mm -hmm. No mention of how uh, the guy's mother earned a living sexually. (laughs) No mention of that whatsoever. He'd come out going like, wow, it's good, man. Really nice. Oh. And he's kind of, which is incredible, because he's like a little dumpy, you know, and he's wearing his like World Juggling Federation t-shirt. I believe he's in, he's at a community college in business mm-hmm. while he works at Chipotle and practices, I'm guessing, eight hours a day minimum. Yeah. And uh, he was the one last year where I just, like, he was doing the seven club endurance. Mm-hmm. He's juggling seven clubs by himself going for endurance and he ran out the clock. He just did the full time. <laughs> so we stopped the seven clubs without dropping any. And they said, you want to try to flash eight? Now flash means every club goes up in the pattern and comes back down and you catch it. Yeah. And he says with a tone of voice that is the tone of voice of just a true hero. He says, I've never tried to flash eight clubs, but how much time have I got? And they go, you got 40 seconds. He goes, well, give it a try. <laughs> and they throw him another club, and he goes, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> As everybody in the audience goes out of their minds. And I went over to him afterwards and said, can I just touch those clubs maybe to feel some of the stardust? Um <laughs> That's incredible. Incredible. So they do that at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Neonopolis, notoriety. Yeah. You should consider showing up. Yes. You'll see stuff that is unfucking believable And these guys, not, well, with the exception of the, uh, the Chilean, Chilean, uh, with the exception of the Chilean, they're not performers. Yeah. They're just guys that work eight hours in the corner of their local YMCA. I mean, that's nuts. Do you, like, okay, so we, you often, we often like to compare and contrast magicians to jugglers, mm-hmm. right? Like one's all lies. Yeah. Uh, one's actual work. Yeah. Do you think, you know, we've learned to learn from each other. We've, we've incorporated juggling into different magic tricks and stuff along yeah. the way. Jugglers, in order to get, like, to get out of Chipotle, yeah. to get off that uh, street he, corner. There's no evidence he's trying to. Okay. Either one of them. That's the other thing you've got to know about jugglers. Right. Magicians are always clawing. Yeah. How do I get that gig? What do I do? You talk to jugglers, like the passing zone. Yeah. You say, how you doing? They go, that's been a pretty good corporate year. <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> you talk to the guy who's juggling the street corners in uh, in uh, in Chile at the, uh, at the intersections. He's happy about the whole thing. I want Chipotle guy to get out of there. That's me. That's you. He's, That's he's, he's going to get a degree in- He likes being that close administration. to guacamole. He's like, he does. So he they does. have a good recipe here. Yeah. <laughs> I get to take some home. Yeah. 
I live a good life. Maybe he stopped that now, but that's what he was doing while he was going. He's young. You know, he's not like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's, there's nothing, you know. I'm just wondering, like, how much, like, like terrible artificial magic jargon could we add to juggling routines before we did them, you know? Like, uh, my grandfather had eight children. And then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, juggling. Could you overextend the metaphor? Yeah. Could we really just take this terrible, somewhat honest story and turn it into just horrible. My grandfather had. Eight children, and boy, he didn't want to drop one of them. <laughs> but then he did, and he wrapped his feet around him and kicked him back into his arms. <laughs> yeah. You get, that, get along that way, you know? Like, you know, I picture, like, American, you know, American Ninja Warrior. We turned, like, holding onto shelves with our fingers, we've turned into this crazy sport, mm -hmm. right? So, like... Do you just need announcers who are like, we've never seen eight. He's gonna do eight. He's I, never do. I do was eight. I was an announcer when it was on ESPN. That's right, seven or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was announcer and I did that stuff. And uh, the passing zone is announced. Jason does a good job with this. Steve Martin. Yeah. When uh, I last time I saw Steve Martin, he went, "Wow, I saw you on that TV thing." And I said, uh, "Fallon, <laughs> no, fool us. I've seen that, but no." <laughs> Uh, a juggling thing. I said, I was juggling on like uh, Kimmel. He said, no, it was on ESPN. I said, you heard me color commentating. He said, yeah, it was incredible. So if you want to know what impresses Steve Martin, okay, it's not the latest comedy flick. No, no, no. He's watching a guy flash eight clubs. Yeah. And me go, wow. Yeah, but did you like it? I bet you liked it too. I, well. I like doing the color commentary okay. Yes. Except you have to pronounce difficult Russian uh, names, which I didn't like. Yeah. But sitting there, <laughs> it's nothing better. Like, I still am the, the voice of uh, WGT Live Series Golf. Mm-hmm. Because they, my friend runs this live streaming company, and they wanted to, like, liven up the broadcast. Uh -huh. And so they brought me in, and I did my first one thinking it was my last. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you can try this experiment. I don't know jack about golf. Let's do it. You know? And I messed around. And then the company, people that run the company were like, we love that guy. And so now I've been doing it every month since. For how, for how long? I've been doing it now for about two years. Oh, Once a month. Fabulous. I sit and watch people play pretend golf for four hours and I talk about it's it. It's pretend golf? Yeah, yeah. It's a desktop game. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. They, Alex Bennett, yeah. he was the big DJ in San Francisco. Yeah. It almost happened wanted to send me to the Olympics as the commentator from San Francisco. <laughs> and he liked the fact that I hadn't seen any Olympic events. And he said, well, here you learn. We'll hear you learn. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's like anytime they do anything, you're like, wow. Yeah. And that's, gonna, that's what the audience wants. They're going really fast in that bobsled. Jesus Christ. Glad it's not me. This last thing was just as fast. Yeah. I mean, fractions of a second different. Who cares? But they're going fast. <laughs> but the juggling thing, you should yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, it, it's incredible. And it makes me cry. It, it just fills me with such joy. Uh, three o'clock, like three to five. Okay. Wednesday afternoon. And uh, it's uh, it's amazing. All right. And uh, this, is a, this is a big week for me. Because Friday, is that the 23rd? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Friday, I start with uh, Carbonaro. Yes. With probably a very special guest <laughs> doing one bit. I'm uh, taking my uh, children and my wife on the 27th. Good. We'll be warmed up by then. That's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. 
and uh, uh, with carbonaro. But tomorrow, that was also my way of asking for four tickets instead of ten. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I have a good rapport with Penn and Glenn, but asking for 10 seems like too much. You could get 10. Uh, yeah. Get 10. I'll, Your whole family's in town? Yeah, the whole family's coming in. You should bring the Donnellys, line them up there. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, tomorrow, yeah. you might want to be available to your friend Penn at like four in the afternoon because there might be um, uh, some aftercare required. Tomorrow, I am recording with Jonesy. And Jeff Hamilton. Oh, shit. I'm recording an entire jazz record with them on bass. And I've been on the road, I haven't been able to practice my bass, and my fingers are not toughened up. So my fingers are going to be bleeding, and I'm going to be humiliated. <laughs> it's going to be a very bad day for me. And I've tried to wiggle out of it. Um, friend of mine tested positive for COVID mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. I was with her for a week every day mm -hmm. so she tested positive for covid and i swear to you my first thought was maybe i don't have to do the recording <laughs> <laughs> i was going oh maybe i'll be and i tested that was negative it was like oh thank goodness but now i'm gonna have to record <laughs> so i'm recording tomorrow at 11 to 5 11 to 5 six hours Plus, like uh, like like Lionel Messi with his World Cup goals, the amount of times you could have COVID would be pretty impressive. It'd be pretty <laughs> great if you got it. Like, would be like the fifth time. <laughs> but I will tell you, when Jeff Hamilton is playing the drums, yeah. I don't think that it may be that like no one's won more Grammys than him. Right. Uh, no, no drummer has. I don't certainly. Think. Yeah. And Mike Jones. But Jones, by the way, like his last album is incredible. Mm -hmm. The one, the last one he recorded, he he really like the pandemic served him well. He learned how to, him and uh, Jen, I think, yeah. learned how to record him at home. Yeah, and he had that, he has always had that beautiful piano at home. I thought you were going to say he learned how to play piano. <laughs> he actually is pretty good before the pandemic. <laughs> no, but he just started recording a ton of stuff and got better. And the, the last album he put out sounds incredible, and it, it's yeah. great. So good. So I'm just excited. But we're going into a studio. I'll have Jeff Hamilton on his drum set set up the way he likes it. Ooh. And I will have Jonesy on a grand piano. And then I will have the no excuses bass. The expensive, really <laughs> oh, high right. quality yeah, yeah, bass. Yeah. The bass that Jeff knows more than you, right? Yeah. He Jeff knows the he knows the bass. He's yeah. played more with the bass than I have. <laughs> He's sat in rooms because the previous owner of this bass was really, really good. Now I will tell you, I deserve and will be more comfortable in that recording studio yeah. with those two men than I would have been on the soccer field <laughs> for the World Cup, but only by a little. <laughs> I actually knew about this recording, and I, I, I'm sending some incense from the Sunset Marquee over to the <laughs> studio. Get that burning before you guys get in there. I am um, I'm terrified. Yeah. 11 to 5 tomorrow. Yeah. So I may I may need to be cuddled afterwards. <laughs> I may need to be told, Ben, there are some other things you're good at. So what I would suggest yeah. is you get on it, do some research, <laughs> find out what else I'm good at. <laughs> uh, there is something, actually, I was thinking about you the other day. And then I'll go to see jugglers <laughs> who, are, who make it look like I can't juggle. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Musicians who make it look like I can't musish and jugglers who make it look like I can't juggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, if you go to, you go to UCB now on an average night of an average group, mm-hmm. performance at the level that we thought like we were geniuses at, mm-hmm. you know, in the 90s and that kind of stuff. It's just, that's what generations do. Yeah, they just get better at shit. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe you and I should take up lawn darts again because <laughs> no one's working on that. Pendulum really swung the other way on that one. <laughs> We'd almost be pioneers at this point. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be recording tomorrow. Then I'll see jugglers on Wednesday. Yeah. And so Tuesday I'll sob and Thursday I'll sob. <laughs> you know, uh, that's the thing. It's that thing I've said many times. People at that level simultaneously inspire and discourage. Yes. Right? Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. At the same time, yeah, you go, wow, it's so great. They can, I'll never. Yeah. That's what you think. Yeah. They're so great on there. I'll never. That's why I'm afraid to go to magic conventions. So I was like, oh God, why did I even think I could do this? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My wife uh, interviewed somebody on her podcast, the side hustle, um, Kat Burns, and she worked with Dolly Parton Mm -hmm. on this, uh, some, some Christmas special that's coming up. Mm -hmm. She busty. Um, Kat. Yeah. Or my wife or Dolly. We know Dolly. (laughs) And we know the other answer as well. So uh, we just, we're just worried about Kat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. I wonder if she only only hires people <laughs> like just the people that could fit in her corsets or something. But I hire I hire people shorter. <laughs> but maybe she does too. <laughs> Way to find that angle of empathy. Uh, do- <laughs> do- Dolly is the greatest person in the world. Yes. Does Cat agree with that? Well, yeah. And so, like, they're working on a uh, their Christmas special, and she came into a meeting. Um, she was early for she was of course early for her meeting, so she came in early. And said, I'm sorry, I just was working on this in the car. And for this moment, I was thinking of, and she just starts singing mm-hmm. her song that she thought of in the car, full out, like way out, like the, even down to like the little good finish on it, like whispers, like just in the room to let her know she had something for that little pocket. Mm-hmm. And the whole room was just totally just impressed with her. Mm-hmm. And I was real, so I was like, oh, even Dolly Parton still just brings it even for the slightest pitch. Yeah. And I was realizing you do that. <laughs> I don't think I do. You do. I don't. I, I don't. On air, listeners have heard you pitch things that you were pitching, and you we've taken up good moments of our episodes <laughs> with full pitches ready. And off air, if you have a new book idea or you think about pitching a TV show, you tend to take a deep breath and go into all of it. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to Dolly Parton story and thinking about you and realizing that, like, I got so caught up in like under promise, over produce uh-huh. my whole life uh-huh. that I realized I've been under pitching myself my entire life. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. And then uh, I got a call uh, from a guy who was one possibly talking about some TV show. Which one? Who, who knows? Who cares? And you know which one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and for the first time ever, he's like, well, what do you got for it? And I said, I, I'll tell you what. And I just went in through all of my routines on the phone mm-hmm. and performed, performed my tricks auto, on an audio level uh-huh. full out for like 10 minutes. Uh-huh. And he was like, this is great. Yeah, come on in. Whatever. And I got off the phone. I was like, holy shit. I could have been doing this my whole life. <laughs> My whole life, I've tried to be people just a little curious, just enough to get in the room. And if I get in the room, boom, yeah. I come over the top. And I have unsuccessfully pitched many times in my, <laughs> in my life. So I was like, Jesus, I, I'm learning this way too late in life. Well, you know, I uh, when I do pre-interviews, yeah, you know, you do a pre-interview for like Fallon or Kim yeah. or something. I get on the phone and I say to Glenn, all I've got to do is show them I can do this. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can go through slowly and say, you could set me up with this line and I'll say this. Yeah, yeah. You can go through methodically. Right. Or you can just turn on as much as you can. Yes. And they just go, well, you'll be fine. I've taken some notes. You'll be fine. Yeah. And then they're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you put in all the energy you've got and it's over in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Whereas if you go slowly and don't put the energy in, it's like 40 minutes and it ends up with them going, I guess we got enough. Yeah. I know like in the non-COVID seasons, I pre-interviewed every contestant on Fool Us for mm-hmm. Allison. Mm-hmm. Every person was like, oh, I can do that. No problem. Uh, was wrong. And I didn't believe them. Mm-hmm. And I was born. I, I ended up right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, no one's prepared for how long you talk to Allison during the actual right. And, uh, all the, but at the time I, I thought they're going to be fine. And I told them, we'll do this, this, but you know what? I bet you're going to be fine. I was right. Yeah. Like they didn't say it. I did. Right. Like they don't, the people who are actually fine don't know it. They're willing to right. give you anything. You don't and everything ever say moment. you're fine. Yeah. You never would say that. Right. That's an insane thing to say. About 40% of the magicians say that. <laughs> and I've seen some of those interviews. <laughs> they're not fine. They're not fine. Under fire. Under <laughs> fire is a whole different thing. Totally. And also, and that's in that situation particularly, fool us. In that particular situation, what you don't realize is that you'd never have to talk to Fallon while Kimmel is talking about what you just did to someone else. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. So like you are not prepared in any way, even if you were a dynamo interview anywhere else you've been, you've never performed your heart out for two people who are definitely talking about what you just did while you have to talk to someone else. <laughs> Yes, it's horrible. It's a crazy, crazy thing to do to horrible, someone. Horrible. So I'm always like, no, you're not ready for it. Uh, I end up telling them, I'm like, you're going to do a podcast with Allison. And they go, what? And that's my way to like shock them into like, no, I was like, you're going to talk to her for much longer than you think you're going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they go, no. And I go, yep. And then we go, and then we start going over all the things we need to talk about. But yeah. Speaking of talking about what you talked about, <laughs> I have, uh, I have, when I met Frank Zappa. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I met Frank Zappa under very weird conditions. Mm-hmm. I mean, really wonderful conditions. This agent yeah. at my agency said to me, oh, have dinner at Orso's with me tomorrow night. Mm. And I said, this is a horrible story. I said, I, you know, I don't want to. He said, you want to come to dinner with me? I said, I know we talk and we work together, but I don't think we hang out socially. And he goes, no, come to dinner with me. You won't be sorry, really. So I go to Orso, fancy restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He's there. He says, hi, Penn. Nice to meet you. You're actually not having dinner with me. I said, what? And he gets up, leaves, and Frank Zappa comes in and sits down. Holy shit. And the agent comes over and goes, I want to have a little surprise for you. Have fun. Splits. Kind of a nice thing. That I mean, that sounds like something that only happens in like movies or yeah. TV shows. Zappa um, was everything to me. As I was saying to Moon, his daughter, I was saying, if you wanted to be very eccentric and didn't want to do drugs, Zappa was all you had, you know? And Zappa taught me about Kafka, Verez. I mean, I would just go through his albums and st- Lenny Bruce, I study everything right. Frank Zappa mentions, you know? So he was really important to me. We talked. And then, and I think I've talked about this before, but I'm going to, to a different place with it. At one point, Zappa said, you know, our family uh, collects videos of Penn and Teller. We have almost all your appearances. He said, we get together and watch them. And my reaction, I get angry. <laughs> I said, I, I said, I, 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 I didn't know. I didn't, I, I didn't know you were watching Frank. <laughs> I didn't know you're watching. I said, I have no problem with 8 million people watching me perform. Yeah. I just don't want one of them to be Frank Zappa. And he said, well, no, we just, we just love it. And there's a couple things we're missing. I went, no, you, you, you need permission to watch. If I were doing stuff for the Zappa family, I would choose it carefully. <laughs> and I would, I wouldn't just go on Letterman and do the shit we were doing. He goes, oh, the last Letterman was great. I go, ah, oh, no. <laughs> um, so I said to Moon, I said, uh, did, is any of that true? She said, well, it's, it's my father. You know, he, he didn't blow smoke up people's asses a lot. That wasn't what Frank was known for. Right. You know, and she said, yes. And then I talked to Ahmed, you know, yeah. uh, the son, and Ahmed said, it was one of the only things we agreed on in the Zappa family. <laughs> All of us could watch Penn and Teller. Wow. I went, okay, so <laughs> I'm very comfortable standing in front of a big group of people. Yes. And doing what I do. Yeah. I'm very comfortable doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. So last week, <laughs> we talked about how I went in for a pitch. Yes. And I talked about the people at the pitch in detail. You didn't name names. No, I didn't. Right. But they all listened. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, no. And then I got things back going, oh, I didn't realize I did that in the meeting and that that bothered you. Oh, no. (laughs) So you're not supposed to listen, okay? Now, if you're involved in a situation with me. Yeah. Okay? Don't listen to the podcast after. (laughs) You don't want to know what I'm thinking. Right. And also, it's a podcast. We know we're talking to people who are listening to stories. Yeah. So little details get a lot of sunshine that Mm -hmm. don't, if you were just talking to your. They were happy, they seemed. Oh, good. But it's still, like Zappa was happy. Yeah. Zappa loved it, but still, no, if you are listening to me, you have to be someone I don't know. Yeah. And this reminds me of something I read and I, I don't know why this stuck with me. Do you have friends who apologize for not listening to your podcast? No, not one. Oh, I do. And I'm almost like, shh, shh. (laughs) (laughs) No, no one (laughs) apologized. You know, that's the thing about show business. Yeah. The first time. The first time we did Letterman mm-hmm. and Saturday Night Live, I swear every person who ever met me 
called me up, you know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I said, wow, it's really great. So, oh, go, you're on Letterman. Oh, man, this is, you know, and my whole family was gathering on the TV. It was a big deal, you know? Yeah. Uh, Letterman appearance number 20, my mom and dad said, well, we wouldn't want to stay up that late, so we recorded it. We'll watch it tomorrow. <laughs> People just fall away. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, yeah. By the fourth appearance of Saturday Night Live, as far as I could tell, nobody cared. Yeah. You know. Right. I brought my parents down to limo to watch Saturday Night Live, and they were excited about meeting Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> That was the whole story about that was, wow, Robin was really nice. I said, well, I, I appeared on the, oh, but well. So yeah, we yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, they become show business really crazy, really crazy fast. Like my parents were like, oh, what's Saturday Night Live? Oh, this is exciting. Da, 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 da. First time. By time five, my mother was actually saying, I don't know what Lauren was thinking when he, when he put that sketch on before you guys. It didn't really <laughs> seem to set it up right. Lauren, I don't know what Lauren was Lauren. thinking. <laughs> that's that's how quickly you get into show business, right? Uh, so they were they were listening. Yeah. So I'm just telling you when you tell these stories, your friend Cat probably listening to you talking about Dolly Parton. Right. Yeah. Anything you want to redo? Uh, this genius cat who <laughs> Dolly Parton gets to work with. Yeah. Uh, was in the room when Dolly came <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. What do you want to change that a little bit? <laughs> now, I want to tell you a story that haunts me, yeah. and I have no idea why. I don't know what part of my psyche. And I was thinking about this uh, this morning, and I was trying to think where I read it, uh, whether it was like Lenny Bruce's autobiography mm-hmm. or whether it was Step Right Up by Dan Mannix. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a book that I read when I was like 18 or so. That's where the memory is. And I remember taking this into my head when I was in my room in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Okay. I remember reading this paragraph and being stunned by it. And I think it ties in with this. It was a description of a stripper, Mm -hmm. you know, a young woman who just turned 18 and she was going to strip. I think it was on the sideshow, right? Mm-hmm. She was going to strip naked out in front of people for the first time. And she came backstage afterwards and said to the peop- said to the person writing this or the narrator, yeah, I think it was a novel maybe. I don't know where I read it. Totally freaked out. Totally, totally flipped out. And said, I knew I was going to be naked on stage. I didn't know I was going to be able to see them. Oh, I didn't know I could see the audience. I didn't mind them seeing me seeing the audience. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Oh, interesting. And, uh, I think I feel that all the time. (laughs) I think I feel, I have no problem. You know, you go, I go on stage, you know, and we put the house lights up and stuff. And that's, that's a hard part. Mm -hmm. I also believe that the most people you can play for, the biggest audience you can have is right around 150 or 200. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest audience you can have because after that, they just become a crowd. Yeah. But if you're character. performing for like 100 people, yeah, you can go out and start to, your monkey brain can process 100 people. Yeah. So, you know, when we would do the off-Broadway show, 
for like 150 people, that was actually more people watching us than were watching us on Letterman. Right. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. watching us on Letterman, the lights are in your eyes. You can't see anybody there. When you hear them, it's just a... Yeah. And you cannot possibly imagine what millions of people look like. Yeah. It's funny, actually, you brought the anger thing, uh, you know, on a, on a much smaller scale level than every example you've given. But I got an update yesterday about my Red Bank show. Uh-huh. And it was like, hey, you're you're 90% sold, but still two months out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, pissed. Like, what? How many people? They don't know what they're coming to see. What? How would they know? <laughs> what the hell? They have been hoodwinked. Yeah, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I was like immediately just petrified afterwards. Yeah, it's terrifying. And like, well, imagine if the Zappa family were showing up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we've got a we got four tickets for B Springsteen, who's coming to your show. <laughs> That's true. I was like, what? No, this is a waste of your time. <laughs> <laughs> go, go write another. Do some soul music. Yeah, yeah. That guy, he's a dentist. Uh, yes, I'm gonna entertain that guy. Yeah. no problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when Bruce came to our show, all he cared about was parking. Yeah. All Dylan cared about was parking. You know, if you want to know what spokesmen for generation care about. All Steve Martin cared about was you announcing a thing on yeah. the <laughs> I did not mind Steve Martin watching that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't scare me. But Zappa watching Letterman. Yeah. Mm, that's a tough one. No. That's a tough one. And Moon and Ahmed had both, had both said yes. By the way. When Springsteen came to your show, all he cared about was parking, and then he went ahead and did a Broadway show. I bet he was thinking about the advice you gave him about parking back in the day. <laughs> I've been a few meetings. He's like, I heard maybe you can park here or do that. Yeah. He still is remembering that conversation with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He came, all that I was very surprised. Springsteen arrived in LA in a sports car. Yeah. That he wanted to have parked in our area. But it was some sort of fancy sports car. Yeah. By the way, I have just spent a week um in rarefied atmosphere. Mm-hmm. First of all, I flew to Vancouver, right? Okay. But I flew in a private jet. Whoa. Private jet to Vancouver, big jet, three people on it. I realized looking at a New York Times article on environmental impact, <laughs> I realized that my uh, seven years of veganism yeah. have done a huge amount to help the environment yeah. that was completely negated by, by that one plane fight. <laughs> completely negated. Completely. Um, but I flew up there. And then a friend of mine the other day, um, we were going to go see, um, by the way, if you, I guess it's too late to see it, but uh, Bob's Holiday Office Party. Oh, yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is, you know. Running Elk. Yeah, Running Elk. Um, uh, Rob Elk and Mark Fight and all the, you know, LA just has such good plays. They really do. And, they, and that, that crew is just a, still just oozingly talented, yeah, hilarious crew. It's really, really, really good. So I invited a friend of mine to go and he said, I'll come pick you up. Then he said to me, okay, I'll take you to the airport afterwards. How much luggage do you have? Just carry on? And I said, no, it's a little bigger than carry on. He goes, okay, I'm coming in a convertible. (laughs) And I go, okay, we can leave it in the back seat while we're at the show. And if someone rips it off, who cares? It's just my luggage. They get some Dylan (laughs) t-shirts. And he goes, well, I I hope it'll fit. And I go, what? So there I am at the Sunset Marquee, which is too fancy a hotel for me to be in. Right. And I'm there, you know, and you see people 
that you recognize and, you know, stars and shit. You recorded there. Once, I recorded you? there. Yes, yeah. I did record there yeah. along with Aerosmith and s- some others. <laughs> when I walk out and there is a car, I've never seen anything like this car. It's like a car that when they talk about this is a fancy car. I mean, this is a car that laughs at Lamborghinis. Ah. Lamborghinis are slumming, <laughs> right? And I walk over to it and he says, oh, don't know if the luggage is going to fit in. Now, this car is as big as this room. It's a car. It's huge car. <laughs> and he opens up the front, the frunk. The frunk. The frunk. Oh, it's a, okay. It's not electric. We'll get to that. <laughs> he opens up the frunk and there's this little compartment like you could fit your dick in, right? <laughs> and he takes my luggage and he's jamming it in to this car that costs, I'm telling you, hundreds of dollars. This is an expensive car. <laughs> but like if it can't fit luggage, then what is that space for? I believe, I believe that the passenger seat can fit any attractive person you want to put in there. <laughs> no, no. I get the car purpose. Okay. What I don't get is if, why have a trunk at all if it won't fit luggage? Well, it fit uh, my suitcase and my laptop bag barely. Okay. I mean, this is about, you know, one of the overhead compartments <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah. an airplane. They're broken up, right? Yeah. One of the compartments, about two-thirds of that. Okay. We got that into the front. Now we have the other problem, which is we've got to get me into the car. <laughs> now, the car is meant for a nimble, sexually active person to sit in the passenger seat. Yeah. Young. Yes. It's not made for a 67-year-old giant no. to get into the car, right? The, 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 the door, there's no door. I go, ah, how do I get in? He goes, you reach out and there's a little button. Whoa. Whole side comes up, okay? Ah. And there's no top on it. It's convertible. Wait, a door comes up and there's no top? Yeah. Okay. It, it pivots on the- Some kind of hinge? Yeah. Yeah. Pivot. All right. No top. And I sit in like, you, you, you're, you're young, but you watch the Flintstones, right? Yeah. Do you know the dinosaur? Yeah. Oh, his head sticking out of the car? Yes. It's like that. Like- from my glasses up are sitting out of the roof of the car. Like there are those cars that don't have windshields. You have to wear goggles to drive yeah, it. Yeah, just like that. You need driving goggles. You need driving goggles. And it's red, but it's a kind of red that I've never seen anywhere else. I mean, I must. they must do like 40 layers of lacquer red. Right. Or, they or put something. Like, I know they put like, like really expensive carpet. They put like metal uh, flakes in it. So like yeah. it has like reflective qualities yeah, to it. Yeah, they had all that. Yeah, right? yeah. And, uh. We're going, to, we're going to go to a show with Rob Elk in it. You know what I mean? There's never been this car that drove to see Rob Elk, right? Right. No. Running out, Mark Fight. Yeah. You're going to drive this car to see Mark Fight? Oh, let's get a car that costs more than every single person in the cast has made in their lifetime. <laughs> so I'm sitting in there, and I'm in a seat that holds me like a giant hand. And he says to me, uh, take my iPhone and do the navigation because this car sucks at navigation. There's a little screen at the middle. He goes, it's not very good. It's, I go, oh, okay. And then he goes, uh, ready to go? I go, yeah. 
And it sounds like we're in the middle of like some movie about powerful cars. Like I like that. Like, you know, like when, when someone is young, a guy is young in their twenties and they're so beautiful and good looking, they don't have to be good at anything yeah. and they can go anywhere. Yeah. I like that the sports car is doing that. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not good at holding stuff. I'm not good at knowing directions. I'm loud, <laughs> but I am gorgeous. Yeah. So you'll let me anywhere you go. And this is where this goes. This is where this goes. Um, he says, oh, you know, I don't really care about cars, which is a great thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I just got it because when you show up on this with a business meeting, it's a better business meeting. Uh, okay. Okay. And then he goes, so I haven't really driven it fast. He said, I don't think I've gotten it up past 130, which is nothing compared to what this car can do. I go, yeah. And then he just says, well, we'll show you a little bit. Starts going in and out of traffic. And we're in a movie again. Oh, we get to the place and then he's still, that's the thing because we're going to dirt ball places. Cause I chose them, you know, some vegan Mexican restaurant. Yeah. 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 Beverly Hills playhouse. Yeah. There's no valet parking. Oh, you also, I forget this. I forget this. Sometimes. Yeah. They're all nuns. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly that important. This is one of the things that Penn is not stupid at. Ah. Penn is not, this is a, this is one of those few stories of I'm not stupid. All right. This is not stupid, Penn. He says to me, before I get in, okay, way back after he's rammed my luggage into the front, he says to me, want to drive? You know what I say? No. <laughs> Smart? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't want to drive. How, how could I win possibly driving? <laughs> how is there possibly any good that comes out of me driving this car? First of all, I don't like driving any car. Yeah. I just got to tell you, you pick me up in an Uber. Yeah. It's, there's no navigation to do. Yeah. There's no loud noises. <laughs> there's no going. In, room for your luggage. Yeah. Room, plenty of room. They open, not only that, they pick it up and put it in. <laughs> you know, the expense of Uber. No yeah. comparison. Yeah. Then- and this is where it gets really weird, okay? We go to our places. We enjoy the shows. It's really, really good. And um, we come out, and he said, I'll take you to the airport. And I said, oh, we're a little tight on time, but you can probably get there in two and a half minutes with this thing. He goes, yeah, we, we, can, we can go a little fast. So I get in the car, and I close the door, and we drive like four blocks. And he goes- You do fit in it, or you're like your knees no, your chin? No, it's, it's not- it's not Are you creating like weird angles. Yeah, it's weird. Like, getting the seatbelt on is a nightmare. Mm -hmm. I have to reach back and I can't really move, but I'm in there and I'm safe. I don't know why you'd need a seatbelt. Whatever you hit with this, you're going to enter another zone, speed of light. <laughs> it's like the the, 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 the large Hedron Collider, which you're essentially riding in. There's no seatbelts. The little molecules don't wear seatbelts in, in the collider. So um, we're in there and he says, uh, huh, your door's not closed. I go, well, I want me to reopen it and reshut it? And he goes, yeah. I hit the button. It won't open. Won't open. Won't open. I go, I, it's not opening. He goes, yeah, maybe it has to be in neutral. So he pulls over. <laughs> puts it in neutral. Right? Nope. Won't open. So he gets out and runs around and tries to open it from the outside. Won't open. Won't open. Hmm. Well, push it more closed. Maybe it'll open then. Yeah. No. No. Gets in it. He goes, okay, while we're riding, uh, Google um, uh, McLaren 650S passenger door won't open. <laughs> That's what I'm- I mean, if it has hits, 
That just tells you everything you need to know. Right? If what? If it hits, if there's multiple things on yes. the Google search. I said, oh, there's page one of this. <laughs> he goes, what does it say to do? It says, says take it to a dealer. <laughs> says there's supposed to be a strap. I said, I, I, he said that's driver's side. I go, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I said, uh, I don't want to break your car. How am I going to get out the airport? Because there's no way I can move across to the driver's seat. So I start getting a little bit like claustrophobic. Yeah. I'm going, if this car is on fire, he goes, we'll get you out. Okay. But it's not going to be on fire. I know a guy. I know a guy. Get I, know, you out. I know a guy. Get you out of my car, guy. <laughs> yeah. So we get to the Burbank airport, right? Yeah. And we pull up because I'm going on. Jet Suite X, which is, you know, there's fancy cars pulling up. And this car pulls up, which is the fanciest car Jet Suite X has ever seen. Yeah. Okay. Because this fancy level of car, you're probably got your own jet. Yes. Right. So even though Jet Suite X is the classier, I mean, it's not Southwest. Like they've seen this car when baseball players break up with whoever they were banging that weekend. Exactly. That's when they see it. They yeah. drop them off at the Jet Suite X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly the only time they've seen it. So when this pulls up, yeah. they are thinking, you know, my friend gets out, yeah. right? And they're thinking, boy, there must be someone very attractive in that passenger seat. Because <laughs> there's people watching when you pull. Yeah. And he's getting out to come around. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a classy move. Yeah. Classy move. That's going to be someone really wonderful. In that yeah. Time, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then he can't open the door. So now there's more attention. Uh, and then he goes, uh, okay, let's put all the windows down. We'll take the top down. So he takes the, the, the top, the top ones down at this point. So on the first ride, not the second ride. Yeah. And he puts the top down, which lets me straighten up my head. I was <laughs> ducked down under. Like a giraffe in a circus car. <laughs> <laughs> takes the top down, takes the window down. Yeah. And says, I guess you can just climb out. I said, well, that will, I can't jump straight up. That'll involve stepping on your seat. Yeah. And I believe the seat of this car yeah. is worth as much as every car I've ever owned, right? <laughs> yes. Has yeah, to yeah. be. Yeah. I mean, it has to be really that ballpark, right? Yeah, yeah. It's probably like, you I know. Mean, cleaning or repairing. We're, now we're two of your, all of your cars. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I feel like maybe I should take my shoes off, but I have no chance of taking my shoes off because I can't move my feet. So I go, I'm, I'm going to fuck up your car. And he goes, ah, it doesn't matter. I go, I know it matters. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't care about cars. I go, okay. So I step on the seat mm -hmm. of this gazillion dollar car. Yeah. And I rise up. And if you could see the disappointment on the face of the onlookers when they see what comes out of this car. It's like seeing the most beautiful Christmas present you've ever seen wrapped yeah. with your name on it and it's gorgeous and you open it up and it's a reindeer sweater. That's what I am. I'm a reindeer sweater getting out of this car. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm dressed like a jlob. I got my hoodie on with my Bob yeah, Dylan yeah. t-shirt. No. My Kerouac Cassidy T-shirt. Oh yeah, yeah, I got I got Cassidy and Kerouac together on my T-shirt, and I rise out of this car. They're expecting you know Venus on the half shell. <laughs> That's what it's going to look like. Yeah. Whatever rises out, there's a half shell. 
whoever she's coming, we're, we're Jet Suite X flight. I hope she's sitting next to me. Yeah. On my little flight. This would be the greatest thing ever happened to me. Yeah. And obviously this guy, who's a pro baseball, probably owner, <laughs> just dumped her. Why he's dumped her out. This yeah. is going to be beautiful. Or it might be a gorgeous guy. You know, yeah. Maybe this is Brad Pitt's friend dropping him off. Yeah. Could be that. Oh, they're not even opening the door. He's going to go out the top. It's probably someone athletic. Maybe it's Jackie Chan. <laughs> so I step on the seat, put my hand on his shoulder, <laughs> crawl over the closed door. <laughs> and there's like 10 people watching. Just. And I go like, hello. Hi. And everybody kind of goes, oh. Don't even tell me. I bet you. He, I bet you even has fucking luggage getting out of that car. <laughs> and <laughs> fucking oh, and the front. Oh, I hate this guy. <laughs> and I take my luggage out and struggle to pull up the handle, put my thing on, and I start walking toward there. And then I say, because I'm the fastest mind in comedy. <laughs> You know that, right? Yeah. A fastest mind in comedy. Yeah. I walk up to these onlookers and I say, uh, doors broke. <laughs> right? Yeah. Doors broke. Yeah. That's, that's that. Yeah. Doors broke. Yeah. And, I, I'm, and I'm me, not a, not, a, not a model. Yeah. Not a guy. Not a model. Yeah. I'm just me. Yeah. A broken door, an expensive car. I'm going to go sit on the airplane. Now you don't care where I sit. Previously, you were thinking, oh, man, whoever's yeah. in there, I hope they're sitting near me. <laughs> now you don't care at all where I sit. Sit anywhere you want, Ben. Doors broke. Yeah. Doors broke. Doors broke. Doors broke. Yeah. No one said, shouldn't you say broken? Nope. Doors <laughs> broke. That's it. And uh, I've got a lot to say because I have we'll talk about Vancouver. Yeah. Location scouting. Yes. I've also got to talk about my greatest accomplishment in the week. I have a lot to talk about, which we will do on the next show, because that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. And to our listening You become naked. I have very expensive luggage. You know that? Yes. I have really nice luggage. I want to give myself a little credit for that, okay? It's like Ramoa luggage with a Tumi computer bag. That's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, it's good. You know we love you. Hey, Matt Donnelly, you got me to thank? Yes, I do. I want to thank the following people who support us over at patreon.com slash pen. Stephen Volcano. Jim, the now the 24 yearly performances naked magician. I think like it's not in the correct order. Scooped Mids, Paul McBride, Michelle Yeiser, Brogan Hastings, Placida Scott, Dante Peace, Damian Martin, Adam Luce loves Teller and hopes he has a speedy recovery, Timo Tehoff, Mark Pickenheim, Miriam Engels, Scott Kelly, Kelly M, Adam Burzens, Matthew Applehands, Fractured Adventures, Carlos Alvarez, Nicholas Emerson, Michael Cornwall, Ross Devereaux, Rue Dudley, Ryan Matthews, Jeff Bacher, Eric Dobell, Michael Torbay, and of course our friend Elon Lee, who made the game You Lying Sack with you, You Lying right? Sack, which is out, and people who like do games said that they played it and loved it. Yes. My kids are getting it for this Christmas. Good, good, good. All right. Thanks, all. 
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.